Hello and welcome back to Cows and Turn the Monologue. In this episode, we're going to be discussing the Witcher Saga short story, Eternal Flame. This sort of uh, short story is the most outwardly comedic of all of them. There's always a tongue-in-cheek quality to certain uh, stories in The Witcher. I've talked about that before, Edge of the World, Coming Up, A Little Sacrifice, a few others. But this is the one with the pure, uh, unadulterated sort of pure joy of comedy um it has heavy themes it's dealing with religious dogma it's dealing with racism it's dealing with um the the you know don't judge other people by their appearances that you haven't walked in their shoes but the big thing here uh is that it never loses its comedic tone uh, something me and josh talked about on edge of the world is that it's overtly comedic until the elves show up and then suddenly it dives right into pure dark depressing stuff and uh while that can be um while, while that can be a positive it really depends on how uh the author handles it and um you know for some people i i really like it to the world but josh thought it was okay you know not 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 perfect and other people have you know it really just depends on the person um and uh this story being more outwardly comedic can probably get in uh, people that edge of the world kind of didn't you know affect as much um and uh what's fun about the comedy you know is that it's coming off the heels of shard of ice and right after this is a little sacrifice two stories that are very heart-wrenching very tragic very sad and this is essentially a post-breakup comedy and the, the idea there is this is Geralt palling around with his best friend Dandelion um, and getting up to shenanigans and random adventures trying to get his mind off things. There's even this interesting parallel where Dandelion is kind of going through a breakup of his own, um, even, even though, uh, you know, uh, he has many fiancés and Vespula's just a random fling. It doesn't matter. He's still, he's, uh, he's been cast out by her and he doesn't like, you know, uh, being cast out by people. And so he's kind of glum. And of course, you know, uh, he's, you know, Geralt's glum as well because of his breakup with Yennefer. And so he's just kind of sitting there trying to figure out where life is going and they're both trying to forget their problems and their ills and they get caught up in this random shenanigans and i think it's very important um i, I brought this up when i was talking babylon 5 um that uh tone and consistency is key that sometimes you need to bring your head up above water that you can't always mire yourself in the darkness and the gloom and the misery that that is fine to wallow in for a bit but eventually you need to come up for air and jms uh had a great saying uh you know about how uh you turn on a light uh and everything is exposed uh, there you know it's all full of color and majesty but if you turn out the light you know everything is mysterious and dark and intriguing but also scary that essentially that you don't turn out the light completely and don't turn the light all the way on or adjust it just a little turn on a lamp you know um that that metaphor there is about uh, lightheartedness and dark you know serious or funny storytelling 
there's there's a middle ground to be found there. You know, JMS also has another wonderful saying. If you're going to tell a dark story, that's fine. You go as dark as you want. But for the love of God, tell a joke. And so coming off Shard of Ice, we get a nice, fun, fluffy, you know, feel-good comedic story. And then we head into a little sacrifice, which is also just pain and misery again um you know you need to seal up that wound that Sokowski has just bored into your heart so that he can rip it out again and stomp on it um and I I think that that balance is that that the overall balance of tones is very very important for storytelling and I think it is a skill that has you know sadly been lost by many people that too many people focus on the dark, and too many people focus on the ha-ha, wacky, uh, and don't really notice that if you veer one side or the other, you know, it becomes a lesser work. That if you really buckle down, work on it, and get that mix of tones, and that balance that is so necessary, I think, for, well, for good storytelling, you have... An actual emotionally true story. Because no matter how dark and miserable things get. There are things that are going to. Um, you know. Liven you up a bit. You know. You could be going through the worst pit of hell in your life. Something bad happened. A family member died or something. And then. You know. You, you trip over your coat or something. And that just. It, that sort of relief being able to laugh and think about something other than the pain is almost joyful in a way meanwhile when you know you're in you're in a laughing hysterics sometimes you know you need to be brought down a peg and sort of see that not all is right and joyous and that there's something there that you're hiding that some people use humor as a defense mechanism to deflect uh processing uh, troubling things. And so, um, I think that for some people, I think this story is necessary, the process, shard of ice, and then a little sacrifice right afterwards. Some people, uh, could, you know, very well skip it. It really depends on you. I think it's fun, and I think that that balance is kind of important. I would never wantonly skip it. I can see the merit in perhaps skipping it, but... I do think it, there is a pro, you know, to this, to have a, an outwardly comedic, ridiculous, you know, story in between two heartbreaks. Now, um, the the actual story, um, you know, you, we, we got Novigrad, the free city of Novigrad. It's a, you know, it's a big major market port, uh, merchant city. Um, and, you know, Dandelion even says, you know, it's the capital of the world, that, that basically all the great art and all the great inventions are going to come from this place. You know, it's like Venice, I guess. Um, and that, that this is a place of prosperity and wonder uh, and money and riches, but it does have an underbelly, you know, everybody there kind of has an inherent racism. There is a, um, a, a religious order that has founded its home here called the Eternal Fire. 
uh, that, that worships the eternal flame, and they basically preach religious dogma of you must fear the other, that it's not our fault that things are bad or that things are not going wrong. It's the other people. You know, it's the, the elves, the dwarves, the gnomes, the halflings, the dofflers, etc. It's anything else other than us. And we see that that sort of feeds into normal life, that everybody's afraid of the church, um, and they kind of have to, you know, skirt underneath that. And hell, uh, when the church guards c confront Geralt and co, they're, they're holding lemires, which are like illegal weapons in most of the continent, including Novigrad. Yet the church uses it wantonly and knows that they won't suffer the consequences because that is the privilege of the church. They are a religious order. They are above normal humans. It's a commentary on the Catholic Church and how, uh, you know, the Catholic Church, in the height of its power, uh, was a fully governmentally funded thing that held itself above the law uh, and... Uh, even above God in some cases, uh, and thought it was better than everyone else, and wantonly, uh, you know, you know, uh, sort of ignored its own rules for the sake of um, decadence. Um, and so, like that—that's the parallel here. And we also have like the Inquisition, where they—they're they're clearly hunting down uh, and, and torturing people that go astray. Um, Dopplers in particular are hunted down and exterminated. And within that, there's this interesting thing of there's this almost double standard in this world that monsters are evil and must be killed. We've created an entire order of witchers to do that. But non-humans exist and some of them are treated horribly. Some of them are, you know, most of them are oppressed. Um, you know, they, they live in squalor, they're subject to racism and abuse and misery uh, at the hands of the humans, but yet the Dopplers, who are just as sentient uh, as, you know, the dwarves and the halflings and the gnomes and the elves, are outright killed. Um, and, and this is pointed out really great of that humans are afraid of the other, but only the other that looks different than them. You know, a halfling small human you know elf human with pointy ears uh they're subject to otherness but not outright extermination genocide right then you have the dopplers who look nothing like anybody that the, they can change shape but their natural form is so alien to everyone that it produces nothing but fear and disgust so they're hunted down and killed um, and, you know, uh, when this is pointed out, like the bartender, uh, you know, he gives the classic, I have a black friend defense. He is inherently racist that, um, he, you know, he looks down even upon dainty as an other, but he, but he is on good terms with dainty. So even though he has that otherness with him, he sort of sidelines that. And then with doo-doo, he's outright racist and so it's sort of a mask um the i have a black friend defense that i can't be racist because one of my friends is a colored person uh the, that that's the defense there and it, it is a logical fallacy um inherently um i like how uh chappelle is like this growing, you know, threat underneath the, the story. When we first meet him, we, we keep hearing about the Church of Eternal Fire and, it, you know, how 
you know they're they're wrangling up non-humans and and we hear about the the horrors of Chappelle and, and then Chappelle shows up and he th- quote unquote threatens Geralt and Co. Uh, and then he shows up at the end and he's you know that that inversion what you expect is flipped on its head because actually Chappelle's a Doppler himself and that threat that he gave Geralt and Co. wasn't actually a threat it was a warning a kindness get out of this city before you're discovered. Otherwise, shit's going to go down, and I don't know if I can protect you. He was clouding that in threat and vitriol because he had to play a part uh, to keep himself safe, but he wanted to ensure Dudu was safe. Uh, he wanted to ensure everyone else was going to get out unharmed. Uh, and so there's this thing of, uh, you know, never judge a book by its cover. We, we, we see it, you know, with Dudu and, and Dainty and whatnot, but we also see it with... Um, uh, you know, Chappelle, who looks like the villain, but turns out to be an actually rather kind person. Um, it, it's sort of like how Jakar does that flip in Mind War in Babylon 5, where, you know, you think what he's telling uh, Catherine Sakai is a um, is a threat, but it's not actually. It, it, it's a warning. It's a kindness uh, to keep her safe. Um, and, and so that, that that's sort of the, the, the trick here. Um, the, uh, the, the entire baking fiasco and the, the stock market and, 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 you know, oh, there was a, there was a coup. So the prices of this went up and stuff. That, that's great and all. Um, I'm nowhere near, uh, uh, you know, an economist or anybody like that. I can't possibly really uh, tell you if that was, uh, wonderfully accurate or not, but Skrowski has a finance degree and I think that is, Something that is very important um, is, is to note uh, is because throughout the series, throughout the saga, there's a lot of talk about finance and economics and how people can trace things via money. Just to give an example, you know, because, the uh, you know, the, the spoiler rule of if it's in the Netflix show, then that's fine. Um, then, you know, there's a war coming not too long from now, uh, and people guessed it because they were following the money trail and realized people were buying wood and that wood was being transported to build ships and who would need to build ships? Oh yeah. If you would need to cross this, uh, you know, section of water, uh, for an invasion. So it was very easy to guess that it was coming, you know, um, and the evils of money and what it causes people to do, the evils of capitalism, are something that is uh, helps ground, I think, the fantasy world that Sukowski has created in The Witcher, that there is always an underlying sense of reality to it, that it is not so far-fetched, that it is not bonkers and ridiculous and full of fairy tale craziness, that there is an inherent truth to it. And that makes things seem, you know much more not only relatable but also um sort of if you remove the magic it makes it seem like it could happen here you know um and i i think that is an important thing to note is that his finance degree comes in a lot um in this story of course but also in other parts of the saga 
Uh, and now, just one little deal of, uh, I like how Geralt has a new jacket, and he spends the entire bloody time, you know, trying to get the jacket to not be destroyed, and then it ends up getting ruined, and he needs to get a new jacket. It just shows how pathetic he is, kind of, that, um, you know, when Dudu transforms into him, and he goes, God, I look ugly, basically, you know, he's he's got low self-esteem, he's self-deprecating, and he's just broken up with the love of his life. He doesn't really have much going for him as far as he thinks. You know, he wraps himself up in that Witcher comfort blanket that I've talked about a million times. And he tries to hide away from himself and the world. Uh, and, the, you know, that he tries. He tries to move on, but he can't. Uh, and you can really tell that in his attitude that he is just so out of touch with the world and himself. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with his breakup, but also has a lot of, with his stubbornness. He is a very stubborn fella. Um, and also the ending where the doo-doo plot and the dainty plot and the, uh, and, and the Vespula plot and the Chappelle stuff all sort of converge into a comedy of errors. It is glorious, it is ridiculous, and it is fun, and you can't help but have a smile on your face, which leads perfectly into a story about heartbreak and the inability to properly digest emotions. Uh, next time is a little sacrifice. And Josh will be joining me once again. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye.